0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hello, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome Season 3 of the Believe Overwatch League podcast from the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at BelieveInOWL and at Believe.com. This week we discussed the knockout rounds of the Summer Showdown, the Keymaster Sega lawsuit, and a new Overwatch soundtrack. hello hello everybody welcome to another gameplay episode of the believe in overwatch league podcast we hope you've had a good week this was a lot of really insane games this week for the overwatch league um a lot of results that i did not expect to see um but before we get into that uh housekeeping stuff kevin how has your your pop culture consumption been what's it been like waiting for the new pokemon game that has been they, they they refuse to give you a set date to wait for, so you're just on the hook for the next two weeks waiting. Yeah,
0: hopefully hopefully it's sooner than the next two weeks. Hopefully it's like tomorrow or the day after that. um But honestly, I've been I've been following Pokemon Unite, been following their Twitter. I'm like, come on, let me know. uh So they said that the release date is in July, and I've been waiting on this game since july 1st and i'm excited because i watched some of the beta tests um for the people who were like invited to play it and i i'm excited to take my own shot at it but for the most part i've been just sitting here like watching all the pieces i've been doing like the investigative work with like some people who are like oh well this is happening and so on and so forth so uh, one of them excuse me was um they're announcing the rosters of like all the characters in the game and they've been releasing one every day or like even sometimes even a couple of them per day um and they just finished the roster yesterday
1: oh who's so, in it who's who's the full so the full who's...
0: roster let me go let me go grab it um i remember i was trying to get my friends hyped up for it too And they're just like, we don't know the day. We don't know the day. Um, So it's freaking everybody out, too. Uh, But the roster, I'm just going to go in whatever order they have here. Um, Slowbro. Absol. Wigglytuff. Mr. Mime. uh, Garchomp. Cramorant. Alolan Ninetales. Cinderace. Gengar. Machamp. Venusaur. Lucario. Greninja. Crustle. Talonflame, Snorlax, Pikachu, Charizard, and Edelgoss.
1: So that is who we have in the game. Interesting. Okay. I only know some of those Pokemon, but we will become familiar with them as the time passes.
0: Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, I originally started with a MOBA background, so... Um, I I hope that I can either cross over or cast these games when they, when they happen. Um, But yeah, it's been a lot of sitting and waiting. It's uh, (laughs) I was, I was talking about it. It's like um, if if somebody says like something's happening within the month and then the month happens, you don't know when they're going to drop this. And I've been waiting originally, like people were speculating, Oh, there's a, Thing on the 15th in the beta that somebody data mined, and they're like, Oh, it might come out on the 15th, but it's also like it could come out on the 12th so that they can do the event on the 15th. And I was like, I swear to God, if they release this while I'm out on vacation, I'm gonna be so mad. So, <laughs> luckily, they didn't. Um, now I just have to sit here and uh wait for this thing to happen. So, it could be tomorrow, it could be the day after that. Uh, we never know, it could just be, the- and everybody's making the joke, it's just like. Oh, yeah, I'll just come out on the 31st. Like, (laughs) they'll wait until the last day of the month to release it. But um, I really hope that we get it sooner.
1: Did the the anticipation kind of weigh on your Disneyland vacation? Uh, A little
0: bit. Um, (laughs) I feel like the only thing that, like, it kept me occupied on occasion where I was like, oh, maybe they'll release, you know, a little bit more like insight into the game maybe they'll give us some like information about skins or items and stuff like that um, but no they they are just slowly releasing the roster and now I'm waiting patiently for them to tell me that I can play the game so please let me let me play I know that you have it up and running we saw the beta test Uh you probably just need one more stress test before you let us go but um, I really do hope that i could i can play this game so uh, another thing that's coming out is space jam Kevin. ye I'm a big fan of space jam um i'm i'm older like I remember the first space jam I wasn't born well i was born uh when the first space jam came out but I was like one but it was <laughs> it's a movie that like resonated with my life you know uh Mm -hmm. I, i like playing basketball um i grew up in a basketball family so watching space jam i was like this is this is really cool uh michael jordan playing with bugs bunny and the crew um but yeah i i love space jam i'm really excited for the new one um i was confused why they didn't call it space jam 2 um it's because it doesn't go back to the first space jam at all it's like if this was its own universe of sorts um so that's that's a little disappointing unless like mj shows up at some point
1: i'm not sure how i feel about like it being lebron james like i've never been like i get that lebron james is a good player but i've never like actually liked him you know it's like I feel like Kobe, if he had still been alive, like he was alive when this was going into production. So I feel like he might've been a better pick for it. I think he, I honestly think Kobe is more iconic of a player than LeBron. So I don't know. I feel like they're probably, well, now with Kobe gone, I'm honestly thinking about it. Like who else possibly could have been another pick? Maybe like Steph Curry, maybe Chris Paul. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, as long as it doesn't turn into a State Farm commercial, I think we'll be good. <laughs> Cliff um, Paul, Chris Paul. Yeah, he his uh ace of the hole is to bring in Cliff Paul at the end of the game. Um, but honestly, like I I do agree. I feel like Kobe would have been a really good pick. Um, another person like I I had this idea in mind, um, a long time ago, but it was like, why don't they do this for other like intellectual properties. Like, I mean, we were discussing in the news section how you know Nickelodeon is doing their Brawl Star game, um, and I'm like, why don't other like, why doesn't Cartoon Network do something like this? Like, why doesn't um, like if Cartoon Network had another one that would have been, it doesn't have to be basketball either. It could be like baseball or soccer if they wanted to. Um, they just have a have all the characters come together you know and then help another player or something make a good movie um so yeah i'm waiting on that one um for the most part but i have an idea for a big one um i'm gonna save it for a video idea so uh i'll keep i'll keep you guys updated
1: Recently, there's been a lot of play on like nostalgia and crossovers and stuff and like Mm -hmm. shared universes within a lot of pop culture things. Like you've got this, you've got um, the Ready Player One movie that came out in the book and then Mm -hmm. there was the sequel and then you've got Nickelodeon All-Stars brawl thing. So um, they're just, they're selling us our childhoods piece by piece. And now they're mushing them together and selling us our childhoods in neat little packages.
0: Yeah, we just need a. Uh, they're, they're cashing in on our nostalgia because we, we want to feel like a kid again and uh, I, I do want I want to feel like a kid again please just just keep giving me these <laughs> They know we'll buy it that's the thing Yep, and how about you Matt? How, how was your week in gaming and otaku culture or uh, gaming culture in general?
1: I've been playing more Overwatch. I think our internet, fingers crossed, has been a little bit more stable. So I had a couple days where it's like I was able to play without being kicked. So I'm hoping that like at least for Sunday it holds up because that's when our first game of the season is. So fingers crossed for that. I've been playing more of Resident Evil Village. I really like it. Um, I can play it without like freaking out. Over every single time the grandma pops up, I really did not like the the doll one. Um, I ran on my rant about dolls in the uh, the news episode, but just like I, I don't ever want to be around porcelain dolls. They scare me. People who like porcelain dolls really scare me. Um, what please some I I if someone can explain to me the appeal behind these things. I won't be less scared of them, but at least I think I'll understand them a little bit more. But I just I don't like dolls. So there's that. Um, I don't think I'm waiting on any other games right now. I think that's it for now until Overwatch 2 eventually comes out or until I get a PS5 and I can play some Ratchet & Clank. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. Anyways, let's get into the actual matches of the week. We started on Thursday last week um, because it was the knockout round. So on Thursday, the Atlanta Rain went 3-0 against the London Spitfire. The Boston Uprising went 3-0 against the Houston Outlaws. The Hangzhou Spark took 3-2 over the NYXL. The Chengdu Hunters went 3-2 over the Philly Fusion. The LA Valiant went 0-3 against the Shanghai Dragons. The Washington Justice went 3-0 against... The london spitfire the la gladiators went 3-0 over the toronto defiant the dallas Fuel went 3-0 over the houston outlaws the nyxl went 3-1 over the philadelphia fusion the la valiant went 0-3 against the Chengdu hunters the Hangzhou spark went 1-3 against the dragons the rain went 3-0 over the boston uprising the defiant went 1-3 against the dallas fuel and the washington justice went 3-2 over the la gladiators Now, for the actual knockouts rounds, the NYXL lost 0-3 to the Shanghai Dragons. The Seoul Dynasty lost 2-3 over the Chengdu Hunters. The Paris Eternal lost 2-3 to the Washington Justice. The Gladiators knocked out the Boston Uprising 3-0. The Dallas Fuel knocked out the Washington Justice in a 3-2. And the Atlanta Reign beat the LA Gladiators in a 3-2. So a lot was happening here. A lot of really interesting stuff happened in the like I, I eat in my words again. Like I did, I, you kind of did have to like pay attention a little bit or at least pay attention to the score lines of the, uh, the preliminary rounds leading up to this, because um I can't remember, I think which round it was, but there was one result that like guaranteed that the San Francisco shock wouldn't make it to the, uh to the knockout rounds. And then just the Houston outlaws being trounced by the Boston uprising three to zero was really surprising. Yeah. I was able to catch just
0: very few of them. Uh I, I was not at home uh, due to vacation. Yeah. Um, but I, I was looking at stuff
1: too. So I had to cram as well.
0: Yeah. I was looking at um just a couple of like some of the upset matches. I was looking at that Boston uprising game too. Um, because I was like, I, I thought the Houston Outlaws were were gonna be insane, and then um the Justice versus the Gladiators was the other one that I caught.
1: All right, so how did those ones go?
0: So yeah, the, these are really really close matches overall. Um, and at first I was like, oh, okay, this is this is gonna be a very simple uh simple game in the way how it's gonna be played out. Um, but later on, um. It, it started to snowball into something that got weird. Um the the thing that really caught me off guard just to just to open um on Nepal and Hanamura when the Washington Justice like it came out really strong. Like at first I thought okay they're they're just gonna maybe roll over. We'll see how the gladiators do. But they came out swinging quick. Um, and so the justice Won both Hanamura and uh, Nepal in two with a two-one. Um, honestly, I thought that they they were running solid lineups. Um, the Washington Justice have like a really steady gameplay style. Um, they know how they want to play, and they're very comfortable with it. They have you know Fury and Mag working together, um, Decay on DPS, and just holding down the fort when it came down to just playing the entire series like they they knew what they wanted to run um and they knew how they wanted to play it out as quickly as they could um they did do a couple swaps like towards like they they did some really weird swaps and at first i was like okay yeah this doesn't look right but it is the way how they played it (laughs) um they have tuba come in as a support On occasion which really threw me off Um, but yeah they've been running him on the auto and it's been helping him out quite a bit Um, and it was the same mentality that you know the SF shock implemented when they put um, they they started switching uh, violet onto onto like McCree it's just the opposite way around this time they're using a DPS player to uh, land long-range shots and Utilize that to the best of their advantage. Um, we got to see Kevster come out a little bit. Um, when they went to Hanamura, you know, fully extending um his gameplay and allowing him to fi- figure out like how he's gonna work. They only played, I think it was Bird Ring, yeah, they only played Bird Ring one map. Um, and then no, they brought him back in the second half, so they took him out for Hanamura and Hollywood. Um, so maps with the letter H in it, uh, yeah, murdering is allergic to. Um, and it just didn't work out the way how um, I thought it would. So first of all, okay, let's just go in order. Nepal, 2-1, Washington Justice, take Nepal. And they start rolling with a little bit of momentum, and they carried that into Hanamura, um, keeping pretty much the same uh, same lineup except bringing in Tuba um they go to hollywood and then the los angeles gladiators start finding a little bit more of a stride um something that's a little bit more succinct in their favor um they end up taking out moth too um after the switch to hanamura and it's a slower style of play for them like they start using brig a little bit more and it works out um it works out for them because they're able to deal with like dive a little bit better and especially if kevster is going to be um playing something that's a little bit more fragile it's good to babysit um with that um they go to hollywood hollywood goes in the gladiators favor four to three um and then they go to watch point gibraltar which was kind of a it was kind of a mess <laughs> not gonna lie they both capped up point one, and then they couldn't get past point two. Um they were just pretty much played defense and the gladiators were just able to full hold. So they start finding a little bit of momentum there. But then when they go back to Busan, um you know score line is 2-2 two, two at this point. Um they go back to like kind of a standard composition. Um and when they go back yeah to Busan they don't bring back mirror or moth. Kevster and skewed stayed in for Busan. And I felt like it worked out a little bit but it was just kind of a different mentality going into it. Like they don't have a they're not running the same lineup that they do when they play um you know capture point maps. And I don't know if that threw them off or if they were saying like okay, yeah, this lineup works for Busan so we should keep it in. Um or maybe they were like okay, yeah, they're on a win streak, we just keep them in and it will hopefully carry over but yeah it was kind of a messy game overall and um the the Washington Justice did take that um this is one of the times where I was like yes please LA um if if LA ended up winning that um it would have put the map differential a little bit better in the Shocks favor but um there was no way how that was gonna work out later on so Um, Just because Washington was able to win a couple more maps, it helped them, you know, move forward in the tournament um, and, well, move forward as far as they could, you know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was just a really interesting match overall. I didn't really expect the Washington Justice to have this level of firepower, um, but I don't know if it's that or if the LA Gladiators felt pressure um, coming into the second like half of this but um they were able to keep their uh their composure a little bit and try to call their way through um and i'm kind of glad that you know the washington justice and the gladiators didn't face off again because uh that (laughs) that match would have just been a repeat of a very long day but not saying that any of these games weren't short like we did have a lot of two threes going into the knockout rounds but uh that, that was just one of those games where you like watch it and you're like this is a crazy grind and i don't know if i can
1: sit through another match with these players going head to head like this so what did you think of of the uprising and outlaws game because I, I watched that too but i want to hear your thoughts on it
0: yeah i thought that this game was was really interesting overall um y- mentally you think okay well the outlaws have been doing really well um in the past tournaments they were able to make it to both the June joust and the May melee um, and like just have enough pressure to, to keep that up. Um, But the schedule did not play out that way when it came to the, uh, to the standings and being able to even get there. So yeah, I I don't know what it was for me. Um, I just, didn't really have faith in the uprising i i hate <laughs> saying that but yeah i just didn't think that the lineup was deep enough to be able to go you know head to head with the outlaws um when you have some lineups like that you think okay these the the way how these games are playing out the outlaws should have more like more consistency. That's probably the best mm-hmm. word here Um, than an uprising team. That's kind of pieced together like this, but I, I don't know how else to describe it. It just felt like the, the uprising kind of figured them out throughout this match. It wasn't, it, it wasn't the fact that like, they weren't necessarily, like, the better players. They just played better as a team. Um, they right. they were playing, like, objective gaming rather than playing, like, you know, just to get the kills and stuff like that. And they really took that to their advantage. Like, um, if, if you want to hone in on Anubis, like, um, the way how the Boston Uprising just constantly, like, shoved themselves down the throat of the other team, <laughs> they they don't care. They just want to get in. And sometimes you just need to like hold down like a spot. And if you don't have enough flexibility or mobility to really chase anyone, your defense is going to collapse. And it's a 50-50 because like, you know, if you go in one at a time um, with a crazy level of aggression, you get picked off one at a time. But if you take the fight to them and they're not ready, like you win those fights. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what happened. Like the uprising, when when they started off their, their pushes, like they want to get in there quick um, and not really give them any space to work. Um, that, that's something that my coach beat into my head when I was playing for the college team. It was, if there is space available, take it. Mm-hmm. um and yeah the uprising really took that to heart i have no other way of really saying that like the rest of it but i mean that's your it, job it as just a tank felt...
1: right to take that to take up that space
0: yeah like if there is space available you eat that space and yeah this is really interesting to keep in mind um but yeah i'm, I'm sorry uprising fans i didn't have faith in your team but uh they they know how to play textbook overwatch and that's something that i'm really surprised that the Outlaws couldn't handle 100% of the time
1: yeah i mean typically the boston uprising has always been on the bottom of the tier list like i don't i think i, I think the number of people they said in the pickums how many people properly predicted the 3-0. I think it was like 157 out of everybody who was making predictions and, and doing their um their 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 brackets, only like 157 people predicted that the Boston Uprising would 3-0 the Houston Outlaws because it's just not something that made sense with the way that the Outlaws have been playing recently and with the history of the Boston Uprising. I mean I guess Valentine and I am 37 are doing a lot better now than they used to do and like the tank line especially for the um the uprising is I really underestimated them but I don't think that it was unreasonable to expect the Outlaws to have an easier time with this matchup. Um what surprised me was just the level of aggression that the Boston Uprising had. Like the Houston Outlaws were not aggressive at all they were playing their very slow bunker comp that typically they fall back into like i prefer the outlaws when they're running the reinhardt because there's more mobility there and like even though you're running a slower double shield composition you have the potential to move forward to take up space and be aggressive because you're running the reinhardt with the more mobile shield as opposed to the Orisa, where you have to kind of wait for the cooldown to throw out another shield and kind of play like leapfrog over the distance you know
0: yeah, you have the the luxury of mobility when you play Reinhardt, um, and when you don't have that and you try to bunker down, the team knows, the other team knows you can't go past that line. Like, it, it's like a person who, who's got like a a wet sponge and a piece of chalk, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's how you play Erisa. You put a line down, and then it, it's like, okay, cool down over. I can wipe that, put down another line, and you can't cross that, but... If you put down that that line, like they know where your limit is. Meanwhile, like Reinhardt is just like if you had like a, a, a movable marker, like a dry erase board, you just run around and just be like, okay, yeah, we're we're going over here. This is my space now. You can't you can't do anything about it. Um, I mean, you could shoot the shield as much as you can, but it's hard to be aggressive when you have to play Arisa, and yeah. especially on defense, like teams know where you're setting up. And if you set up and they know that they could split players off from that position, they just become food. And it's hard to really keep that mentality of, okay, stay behind the line, but also be able to still get the kills. Um, It's just kind of a difference of mentality. And uh, I felt like the uprising did a really good job of just like
1: shutting that down mm-hmm. um, as quickly as it could. Like the one time the Outlaws showed any success was their first push during or the only real fight that they won, um, on Iconwall. Like they they really pushed straight right through the choke and just overwhelmed the Boston Uprising. Um, and they were running uh they're still running the Arissa Sigma, but they they had a lot more damage coming in with the Torbjorn and McCree, and they were able to just change their tactics. And I think that might have been why they won that fight, was because Maybe the uprising were expecting them to play slow, continuously, and they weren't expecting them to go aggressive there. But like later on in the fight, or in this in this map, like the Boston uprising were still able to hold them pretty much right around that first choke after the gate, um, and stop them on the bridge. So it's it, it felt like a little bit too little, too late for the outlaws. Um, and something that I noticed that I think is their biggest problem, which was their problem in the next match that they played also in the, uh, the battle for Texas is that they're not protecting their backline at all. Like, I feel like Crimzo has to do all the work like Juby. Um, there's something to be said about Juby for being able to play at the, the professional level coming from collegiate. But honestly, I haven't noticed him doing anything significant the entire season. Like, I, I feel like he's barely even there. I feel like Crimzo is doing all the heavy lifting for the Houston outlaws and he's not getting protected for it. So the easiest way to beat the outlaws really is to dive backline, isolate Crimzo. Jubi can't do anything because he's just a brag. Just push him around and take him out. He can't heal nearly as well as the Baptiste can um, take out Crimzo. And then the outlaws will fall apart because they're not protecting them. They're, they're just kind of, the DPS are doing their own thing. The tanks are doing their own thing. And then Crimzo is left to his own devices to keep everybody alive. And I, that's not working for them. Like every team that beats them, that knows how to beat them. That's what they're doing. Yeah. And that's,
0: it's a tough thing to like really lock down to. Um, I understand that you should always watch your backline. And if you are able to, The the game of Overwatch has, like, you know, the the three aspects. You have your DPS, tanks, and supports. But the sustainability that the supports give a team is probably the most important piece of, like, a fight itself. Um, The reason for that is if you don't have DPS, your tanks and your supports can build ultimate faster. If you don't have tanks, you could still retreat and still, you know, heal up and get ready for the next fight. But if you have no supports, your health pool is finite and you're just brought down by like not being able to sustain the fight. So every single time that they lose their backline, they are going to lose and they have to either start learning to rotate faster and play off of the defense, like play a little bit more defensive or um, find a new way how to keep the backline closer to the DPS play, um, so that they at least have a way of returning back and
1: being able to like fight back in a way. What do you think of him? Like pretty much when we've seen Juby play, it's either the Lucio or the Brigita. I'm not. I don't think the Brig play is in general working for them because they're they like the Brig is reliant upon like being up in their face and getting damage, right? To so do that healing, unless you're using the repair packs. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the way that the outlaws play, it's it's very slow bunker composition. So I don't feel like they're getting any value out of it.
0: Yeah, the reason for the brig, I believe, is just to shut down any potential dive. Um, if they go into it, they want to be able game. to like do that. But yeah, when you're playing into a team that doesn't do that, there's no reason to even attempt something like this, um, like I I get it. Like you look at their team lineup and you're like, oh, okay, so Boston's running a, you know, Genji Tracer Winston Diva. Um, how are we supposed to, you know, stop that? When you end up running a a brig and not landing the initial like shield bash, uh your team can't really collapse on it. And I feel like, you know, they have the right idea. They have like the right setup to, to counter that. And you don't even need Brig. Like you just use McCree. Like the flashbang does the same thing. And it's just difference of mentality. Really? It's they're not getting value out of the Brig when they could easily use another, like, they could use a Lucio to either displace after, for example, like boop, or to even just keep the team alive or retreat.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like this, this still, this thing continues into, like I said, the, um, the battle for Texas, Outlaws versus the Fuel. Um, and just to note, this was the first North American homestand this season. Um, and you could, like, you could hear how excited the Dallas Fuel are. Like, this is a big rivalry within the Overwatch League. And like, I would say that the currently, just looking at record-wise and performance-wise, it's it seems like it's changing now. But I'd say the top two teams right now are the two Texas teams. I I would say that the top two teams are the Outlaws and the Fuel, with the Fuel like coming out decidedly on top every single time. Um, but it's it's again they're not protecting Crimson at all. There's a point where I think the only time really <laughs> that um that Juby I've seen Juby do anything this season is on Hanamura during the um their defense where the um the the fuel are just bullying the houston outlaws houston outlaws have managed to get a couple holds but they they lose a lot of players and in, in an engage then juby comes in and runs the um the rally with the brig and is able to stay alive just long enough for the rest of the Houston outlaws to come back from the spawn with their spawn advantage and he also doesn't die like he is able to disengage fast enough after the rest of his team comes back in order to heal up so that his team still has that source of healing. So that's the one time I've seen Juby really do anything this entire season. Um, But the rest of it, it's just the Houston Outlaws just absolutely getting smacked every single time. Like they'll use ultimates and they'll get really good synergy with their ultimates. They'll land them, but there's nobody there. Like they're playing... I don't know what it is, but they're not playing as a unit. They're kind of playing as individual pieces. Like the tanks are off on one side. The healers are off on another side. And then the DPS are off doing their own thing. So that when someone lands an alt, there's no one to capitalize off it. Whereas opposed to like, you're watching the Dallas fuel. They're always playing like death ball together. And when someone like, if you look at, um, Oasis at the very beginning, like, um, who was it? It was, I believe it was Doha who threw out the, uh, the blizzard and then hits the entire team of six and the rest of the uh the fuel are there to capitalize and make it make sure that it is a, in fact a team kill because they're all frozen together. So I feel like until the Houston Outlaws can A learn to protect their backline and B play together cohesively, not and when they're not running like the bunker comp because when they're bunker comp they're all together, but when they're not bunkered up learn how to play as a unit together and communicate a little bit better. I think maybe then they'll finally be able to, to do something against the fuel. But for now they're running that disadvantage where they're playing separately.
0: Yeah. The fact that they're split up and trying to make their own hero plays just causes a team to fall apart. Um, So yeah, it it will come down to synergy and I feel like, um, I feel like that's a coaching thing. It's just being able to have a couple set plays just in case if things don't work out um, really does help. And it does go a long way. Uh, Like, even if it's just kind of generic in a way, uh, as long as the team understands the gist of what you're going for, um, I feel like a lot of teams could really benefit from having just like, okay, well, we're going to just take the top corner here like um having everybody on the same page and trying to get to that spot would be really helpful
1: yeah yeah um so moving into the knockout rounds the ones that i watched were the justice versus the fuel and the gladiators versus the rain because i feel like the rest of them were kind of kind of a given who would win um not really surprising there um so the justice versus the fuel this one was, was it three two. Yeah, this one was yeah. a three two in favor of the fuel. Um, of course, the fuel obviously moved on to the the actual tournament stage, but this was surprisingly close. Like, for how dominant as the fuel have been, they're showing a lot of weakness recently. Like, there there are teams that typically the fuel have been performing better than, but these teams are like actually taking the fight to the fuel and forcing that map five like 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 here like mag is getting huge shatters and outplaying fearless like between mag and gator fearless has been showing a little bit of mortality he's not like the super tank that everyone has like been praising him for being that he's actually has been like the entirety of this season like he's he's missing his shatters he's getting absolutely demolished when another tank takes the fight to him um his shatters are getting blocked he's getting baited with his shield and then getting shattered so um not looking good for the fuel like in Li especially that first map it was uh a justice win to start out this matchup um and it went three to two the fuel um the fuel took it the first round but then on garden and control center the justice easily easily held it um but the fuel like they have to swap to match the justice. It's not a good sign when like, like what, what do you think about it, Kevin? When like you, you're confident in your, your pick. Like, do you see it as like a sign of like concession when the other team has to swap to the composition that you're running? I, I feel like it's, uh,
0: it, it's kind of, it feels good when you get the other team to like try to have to match you. Yeah. Um, Because it means that whatever you're doing, you're, you're making them you're making them doubt their initial plans and (laughs) it's good psychologically because like you're like okay well we know how to run this we're gonna run this better than you at this point but if they try to like match it um it just becomes you know a a battle of how well do they know how to run what you're trying to do um it's a mental win for, Mm -hmm. for a team to force another team to play their play uh, like their style of play so Mm -hmm. um overall i think you know getting in your opponent's heads and making them have to play into what you play is a really fun and important yeah
1: what does it do as the team that has to switch like what is what does it do to your mental
0: mentally like you're thinking oh we know how this works so we should play it um but at the same time like if you don't Execute as well as the other team, you look like an idiot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's the that's the only other thing that sucks. It's like you mentally think, okay, I can play this 1v1 and I can take this, but if you mess up, right? Uh you just gave away um what you're trying to do, and you still lost. Like um it it hurts mentally if you can't make that work as well as they could
1: so um yeah hmm so Volskaya uh another really strong look for the Justice they're still taking fights to the Dallas field but the Dallas field did take this one um the field also they start getting their aggression here Sparkle of course huge on the DPS I think like Sparkle really is the saving grace in a lot of the play uh, the matchups where um, I feel like the, the Dallas field typically rely on two players. They're, they're relying on sparkle and they're relying on fearless when fearless is not having the days where he's like the better tank, then it falls to sparkle to get really um, really clutch kills, usually on his tracer. Um, he's been playing a lot of SIM recently and it's been doing a huge amount of damage. So um, sparkle coming in with the, uh the symmetric here for a lot of, really, really strong plays to make sure that the uh, the Justice win here, or the Fuel win here. I think the Fuel are used to playing at the higher tier, so once, once they realize the mistakes that they're making, um, I feel like that's how it goes for their matches. They'll start off, and they'll start getting smacked around, and then they'll figure out where their weaknesses are and kind of compensate. It's a risky way for them to play, um, but I mean, I guess it works for them because they've been winning so far. I don't know if it's going to continue to be successful, especially as, especially as a lot of the other teams are, are getting better. And they're like, they're showing the chinks in the armor of the, uh, the Dallas fuel. But I mean, for now, I, I just can't, they can't complain. They've been winning. That or, you know, the Dallas
0: Fuel really like Hawaii. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's also another thing. It's just like they they must really really like Hawaii, and they're just like we're gonna we're gonna win every time so we could get that free trip. That's another um, thing
1: I wanted to bring up. Let me let me bring it up on Twitter before we move into the last matchup. Here is a, a quote on the Twitter from Coach Rush: Third time go to Hawaii, going to Hawaii, but I cannot help but think it's a huge disadvantage to West. We lose a day from travel, have to deal with jet lag have early morning content shoots and the next thing we know we have to compete without practice um so that's a that's like an aspect that really hasn't been talked about as much or like even by us with um the whole hawaii thing like yes it's nice to be in hawaii but also i feel like the schedule must be so packed with a lot of like promotional shoots and everything that like it's probably really not that relaxing for them. Like we know they get time to kind of just be on the beach, but like also they're being filmed the entire time and like fans are probably coming up to them um, and asking them to interact. And plus they also have to compete soon. So uh, that's, that's probably really intense, but the, also the fact is they're still winning though. Yeah. The Dallas field oh. have still won in spite of having to do this multiple times. It, it's like, what is their secret? Uh, sparkle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, uh, but in all seriousness, like, yeah, I do understand that. Like, they want to have content and have things to show on social media, uh, but it does take away from the potential r that should be coming with, you know, playing in the Overwatch League. Um, I wouldn't mind if, you know that they get they get the week after the tournament to like to take a little bit of time off um i would much rather have you know have the teams come in like focus in on just them playing and getting ready like let the players play the tournament right and then do like an after party thing so you don't have to worry about you know the players being like Oh, we have to worry about, you know, the promotional shoot, the little event thing X, Y, or Z uh, before they get into the actual game. Just let them focus on the game first and then like do the extra things. Like even, even after like the tournament, it's still nice to be
1: there. I feel like maybe give them like, obviously they do have to get back and travel. Um, I don't know how planes are working with like COVID restrictions right now. So I don't know if there's, there has to be a buffer period before they're allowed to like move around the States or whatnot, but also like give them like a day or two, maybe three to just chill in Hawaii afterwards if they want, or if they want to go home, just give them, give them that time off. Cause like there's gotta be some aspect of jet lag. Like, I don't know how, how many hours Hawaii is behind the East coast, but like still that can't, Six that hours. can't be good six hours yeah that's six hours you've lost like that can't be good for you they can't be good for your performance but i mean somehow they're still winning. so
0: yeah it's kind of a weird setup really like it's cool that you get to be on hawaii but i feel like you should give the players um a bit of a break and i mean if you really want to go back to it like i hate to bring it up, but like a lot of players quit the game because of burnout mm-hmm. um, during those first couple seasons. So hopefully we don't see that later on, you know, like especially in this season because you have you know a couple games here and there you have like weeks between some matches as well, but you also have like you you're also constantly practicing in that time. there's really no time to like relax. Right, I know that, well, you have like right now, you know, we're in the summer showdown and then we have the countdown cup and then we go playoffs and grand finals. But like it's there's not a lot of time for players to relax. And um, I feel like it's kind of the same if you want to look at like the NBA model where they had to go from the bubble um, back to, you know, a compressed schedule. Um You have a lot of players, especially this year, like getting injured and not being able to play um, at their fullest potential just because of like the pace of the back to back season schedule with COVID. Um, And yeah, I just hope that we get like a little bit of a break, like not only after September, like after the whole thing, but like give the players like a week or something to really Mm -hmm. relax and focus on their mental if they need it.
1: I remember when I had to travel for mock trial, like I just felt exhausted, like waking up the morning of like, you have to, you're, you, you're traveling, which takes the energy out of, you. even though you're not doing anything, you're just kind of sitting there. Like travel itself is intense on top of that. Like you're, you're not in a familiar place. Like you, no matter how many times you've been to this certain hotel or not, it's like, yeah, hotels are cool sometimes and all, but like they're not, they're not your place of comfort. So like, it's not your own bed. You don't know how clean the sheets really are. You have to like, get used to that layout or whatever. Plus you have to travel to wherever you're competing um, and, and stick to the schedule. It's just competitive traveling. Like it's cool and it's fun, but it's exhausting. So. For, for a team to have to for that like a traveling a road team to win is is like has gained a lot of respect for me because i've traveled for mock trial before
0: yeah it's like you should give them time to like relax honestly mm-hmm. um w- without it they're not going to be able to perform at the top of their game and yeah yeah let, and and another thing about like I, I totally understand like people think oh hotel rooms you could like relax and stuff. Um it it's not like a comfortable place to be in. Um you can't like you can relax and think, oh yeah, I'm safe for now, but that's not like where you're a hundred percent like comfortable. Um I, I remember traveling for basketball even like when we had to go upstate. Um and when you're in a different like environment, it does change the way how you play compared to like being at home and being able to relax like the day before. Um, and yeah, it, it does play a lot into your mental. Um, so I, I don't know how these players are doing it, especially when they're going out to Hawaii to compete here and then just not have enough time to do anything on their own.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't like they have a week in between when the uh the the knockouts end and when the tournaments begin like roughly a week I guess maybe like 4 days is it from Sunday that's to Thursday that's roughly 4 days um considering that they have to tr- the first day is probably completely lost to travel um then they get the next day probably to settle in practice a little bit, maybe, and then do all their press things. They have like what one more day to more practice and then maybe some time to themselves. I don't know how their schedule is. That's really not a lot of time in between um, winning, finding out who's going to the tournament and who you're going to have to compete against. Like you probably have an idea, but still, um, they might be doing something new that you have to prepare for. And then you have to compete. That's so much pressure. Damn. Yeah, and, like,
0: I feel like the hardest part, obviously, is, like, the second that you know that you're going to Hawaii, you have to pack and get ready to go. Oh, yeah. Um, Unless, like, I I know that, like, NBA teams do it, and I used to do it, too, where you pack before you play the game. Mm. Um, Because, like, mentally, like, if you're saying, I'm going to this place... And like you pack ahead of time, you're like, I'm gonna make this a reality, and then if not, you live out of your suitcase for three days. Like, what's that's not too bad, but like the the most important part of that is to just hone in on that mentality of like, yeah, I'm I'm going here.
1: Um, I don't, I'm not taking no for an answer. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the final match of these knockouts, it's the gladiators versus the rain. I really don't know what happened in this matchup. This was like, it was kind of ridiculous because on every single time it seemed won a map, it was completely one-sided. Like when the rain, when the rain took Lijiang, um, their first point they won was on garden. It was a hundred to zero um on night market when they were fighting there the gladiators had a little bit of point percentage they got up to 63% but pretty much most of the team fights went the way of the rain um so this this kind of continues every single time that the rain were able to um or every single time the gladiators were able to take a point um they got two points and it was 2 to 3 off. um so on their two points like it, it was a it was it was a full hold, so it's like it's it's alternating between like showing that you're strong and showing that you're weak. Um, the 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 gladiators a lot of the time were very reliant upon um, d- using their ults. Like the, the the nano blade was really big for them. When they're running Capster, they used the the nano blade a lot. It was like a lot of the time that's the only thing that saved them is pulling out the blade and getting some damage off of that. Um, I don't know. It was. I don't know whether or not what to think of, of both of these two teams, just because it's, this match was just very messy. Um, neither one was really dominant. Of course, the, the rain won, but it's like, if you're going to play this messy and have this many mistakes, you're not going to win against the fuel.
0: Yeah. You, you want to make sure that your gameplay is clean, especially when you're, Especially when, like, you, it's a knockout round. You want to make sure that you're playing to the highest, like, tier that your team can do. Um, and then even if you see the team later on, like, you want to be able to, like, understand how they operate as well. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's just kind of... It, it was weird. Also, I feel like another... Like, this is another thing that, like, lower teams, that teams are, aren't making it to the, um, the actual tournaments. They, they have a problem completing on their kills like especially in nepal um sanctum was a really a really big map for i mean it all went down to sanctum like the first two maps first one went to uh the gladiators the second one went to the rain um on sanctum the gladiators like seemed like they were going to win they got it up to 74 they got like very dominant team kills like they were very close to holding the rain at their spawn um but it, it all turned on one fight. There was one fight where Muse got a really big shatter, but it didn't hit everybody. Um, Edison was not hit, so he was able to use a beat, which saved the Atlanta Rain from losing that fight and potentially losing the entire matchup. And from there on out, like the rain were just keeping the gladiators at their spawn. Pretty much they didn't let them touch the point. Um, swapped over to the Doomfist. Um, it was that I think it was yeah, um. Or no, it was Iris who had the, the beat, I believe. Iris or Moss? No. Moss's beat is what saved them because like it didn't get hit by the Shatter. So it allowed that sustainability to come in for the team and to regroup and then push the uh, the Gladiators off. Um, and then I think it was Edison who had the Doomfist. And like when you're running shields, it doesn't matter to a Doomfist, fist can just run right past you. Um, and that one shot potential was really huge. If you get an early pick off with a Doomfist and you're able to get out and heal up again, then y- you're already winning because you have that 5v6 and you're able to just try to get one shots all over again. Um, so yeah, the rain won that, and now we find ourselves at the actual tournament. Um, so the four teams that are going to the tournament are. Um, the Chengdu hunters are going to face against the Dallas fuel and the Atlanta rain are going to face against the Shanghai dragons. Um, I feel like it's going to be the Dallas fuel are going to beat the Chengdu hunters and the Shanghai dragons are going to beat the Atlanta rain. I feel like the rain might beat the hunters to move into the next bracket. I feel like the Dallas fuel are going to beat the dragons again. Um, I'm not quite sure who would win against in the second round against the Atlanta rain versus the dragons, but I want to see it be the rain. I want to see the rain bring it to the Dallas fuel and then win. Yeah,
0: and I definitely want to see this like go through again. Um, I do think that the Atlanta rain aren't going to win that first round. That's just a predictor, but I do think that the rain can climb their way back though.
1: If they watch the tape, maybe.
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, it it really does depend on what they're doing, like what they've done over the past couple days now. Um, Since the matches are starting tomorrow, it's going to be all up to like VOD review, how they want to play and how they're going to try to execute against a team um, moving forward. So uh, we'll see if we get a new uh, tournament winner going into this next next one or are we going to have a
1: repeat for the season do you think that any of the teams actually have what it takes to to dethrone the dallas Fuel? because i think the fuel are again i think the fuel are starting to show certain weaknesses that they have um but i don't know if that's going to be enough for the other teams to actually exploit them um yeah i do agree that
0: the the fuel are showing like we are in control like we they, they feel like they have a lot of power and they've really kind of set themselves that way um, where they're just like ready to go the entire time. Um, but I do feel like a lot of teams are learning from their tape and starting to figure out like how the fuel operate. Um, and yeah, it, it may just be, oh, once they get down into like these harder stages, they like kick something up. But I honestly do think that uh the the more the more success you have the more likely the teams are going to figure out how to break it so yeah um it's going to be interesting
1: all right anything else from us kevin i think we've hit a lot this week
0: yeah we we we've covered quite a bit um enjoy the games uh i i hope that we don't get a repeat i just want to see like i want to see everything kind of culminate into the uh into the grand finals where like everybody's just out for each other's heads, you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just, I'm just excited for that. Um, also
1: next week is our, our hundredth episode
0: week. Yay. 100.
1: the so, uh, no, hundred weeks, hundred weeks of our podcast. Uh, yeah. We've known each of, other for a hundred weeks, Kevin. Well, a little bit more, insane. a little bit more than a hundred weeks.
0: Yeah. Uh But yeah, but approaching the hundredth week thing, uh let's, let us know if you want to see anything uh, yeah from us. it's like a hundred
1: like, episodes spectacular yay if you want us uh, to do a giveaway or something like contact us let us know something we'll, we we'll try, try something we will, be We'll be the first person something. to actually message us
0: yeah that'd be
1: that'd be cool all right guys thanks for, for tuning in this week um, enjoy the, the summer showdown let us know your thoughts tell us something um, and yeah well we'll be back at you next week adios
0: Next week, we crown the winner of the Summer Showdown tournament and cover other gaming news.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the Filet-O-Fish sandwich all day.